On this episode of Geek Out Loud, get ready to get spoiled. We're talking Infinity War. If you haven't seen it yet, now's your opportunity to turn off. It's Infinity War Talk with me and my brother from another mother and some Celine Dion on your safe place to geek out. again everyone and welcome to geek out loud your safe place to geek out here on the internet my name is steve gloss and glad to be along with you and on this episode as we said as we billboarded we're going to be talking infinity war uh it is the movie that has taken the nation by storm nay the world it is the movie that kicked the pants off of the force awakens in its opening weekend financially and it is the movie that has a lot of people abuzz and I, I told someone the other day, can you believe there are people who don't like Infinity War? And she looked at me like I was lying, and she could not believe such a person existed in this world. We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode, but I'm not alone. Of course I'm not alone. With a movie this big, really the truth of the matter is we should be bringing the whole Goliverse together to do this. We should be opening up phone lines. This may be a two-part geek out loud. But on this episode... It is my brother from another mother, the great Eris Schoenerweiss. What's happening, man? My brother, I am back. It is good to have you back, sir. It's great to be back. It's been too long. It has been. It has been. We're still, I tell you what, it, we're still picking up the pieces from the uh, from the GoDaddy ravaging of 2017 here around the Goliverse, and it seemed like for about two months, every time I turned around, something else was wrong. So... We're 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 back up and limping and and we'll, well, that's what our Avengers are feeling right now. You better believe it. Yeah, I had my own personal Infinity War back. <laughs> go Daddy War. Yeah, Go Daddy was like, we're gonna wipe out half of our uh, our websites just to balance everything out. Did you know, along with the fact that the human head weighs eight pounds, did you know that Infinity War has already outgrossed Justice League? I did know that. Yes, I sure did. And that's, that's not, <clears throat> that's just a fact. That's not pointing fingers at. So all nope. you DCEU people stop, step off. That's at, that's at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. If you want to complain <laughs> about that. Okay. I don't need the email. I don't need the ads. Um, well, well, I mean, you brought up that it already trounced the force awakens. I'm just piling yeah. on. I'm not look and and here's the thing. I'm not saying that I'm glad that it has done that to the Force Awakens. I'm just saying that wow, that's a pretty impressive feat, considering how big a deal the Force Awakens was a couple of years I back. I think it's a well deserved feat. I do I too. This is this is ten years yes. of brilliant planning all coming to fruition. Uh, agreed, and we'll talk and deeper. Well, well, well deserved, and, and every other shared universe out there. Just stop what you're doing and pay attention to mm -hmm. what Kevin Feige and the Marvel crew is doing. It's exactly. 
and I and we'll talk. I want to touch on that a little bit more once we get into the discussion proper. But before we do, I want to thank everyone who. I tell you what, last month there were a lot of people using that Amazon link over at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com and bighonkinshow.com. You guys using that link has really helped out this past month, and I appreciate it. I hope you'll continue to do your Amazon shopping through those links. We've got other links that are going to be going up uh, as as there used to be there, but. Um, the Amazon is the tried and true, and it's been there, and, and you guys used it last month, and, and I really appreciate it. Hope you'll copy that same behavior this month. But also, uh, for our Patreon supporters, uh, if you're listening to this live on Thursday, May the 3rd, on Friday, May the 4th, hey, May the 4th be with you. Uh, for our Patreon listeners, Forceology 102 with myself and Shaz Bazaar will be released on the Patreon feed. And here's an easy way to catch it. If you have a, a smartphone, uh, you can download the Patreon app, and you can actually sign in on that, and you can listen or download those things right to your phone from the Patreon app. So that's an easy you know, way at your fingertips to listen to all the exclusive podcasts that are going out there uh, on the Patreon uh, side of things. So thank you, everyone who's joined up. If you haven't, we lowered the paywall cost for exclusive podcasts to two dollars instead of the five. And Shaz and I spend two and a half hours breaking down not the movie, but just what we know and have learned about the Force in Forceology One or Two. We break down just the Empire Strikes Back and what's in there. And um, and and if you enjoyed Forceology One Hundred One with A New Hope, I think you'll really enjoy Forceology One Hundred Two. There's a lot less kind of there, we still have some fun and play around, but there's a lot less of that because it was so dense with information. So I hope you'll check that out over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Now, as far as our Goliverse... They get, they get to listen to that for just two bucks? Two bucks a month, yeah. You can't beat that with a stick. And let me tell you something. Shaz is wanting to do more than just one a month. Like, he is already ready to go on Return of the Jedi. So... um so if Shaz has his way, you'll be getting more than just the one for $2 a month. So, uh, And you never know what other goodies we may throw in there. I will say this publicly. I'll do Marvel movies with you. Hey, I, we need to. We need to. I, I've, done, I've done some of the... Uh, some but of, I'm going to charge $250. Okay, $250. I've done, some, uh, I've done some commentaries on Marvel. You were on Captain America with me on yes, the Patreon one. Um, and so... Uh, it's worth going back and, and revisiting some of those as well. But look, the point is this. Thank you, everyone who supports. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Our Goliverse Wall of Fame will be going up right now in the Goliverse. The focus has been on rebuilding the Big Honkin' Show website. And all those old episodes are going up, and, um, and we're up to July of 2010, just two scant months out from the end of the first age of the Big Honkin' Show. There's a lot of good stuff on there. You can go back and listen to those. iTunes, for whatever reason, I've tried 50 different things to, to get that feed to show more than 10 items. And so still working on that for everybody. But they're available at the website. They're available on Google Play. Um, so check it out and, uh, and, and go back and listen to some good old Big Honk and Show stuff. And as that gets caught up, then we'll start to really work on everything else in earnest as well. So And I appreciate everyone's patience with that. Well, Erish. Well, um, Steve. Before we get into Infinity War, I want to talk about Celine Dion with you. We got to talk about Celine Dion. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but one of my secrets of life is that I love Celine Dion. Really? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. 
The only Celine Dion song that I've heard that I do not like is the Titanic song, and that's just because it got so overplayed uh, circa 1998. That's understandable. But to me, she uh, she's a fantastic vocalist. I, I think that she there, there's just she's never, an icon. Yes, and and her music just moves me. I'm not ashamed to say it. All right. And so when you told me just before we went on recording that Celine Dion has done a track for Deadpool 2. <laughs> That's right, folks. Deadpool 2. Original song from Celine Dion. And it's a great song. We'll play a little bit of it here. And then I'll cut to the end. What's left to say These prayers aren't working anymore Every word Shut down in flames What's left to do With these broken pieces On the floor I'm losing my voice Calling on you Cause I've been shaking I've been bending backwards Till I'm Watching all these dreams go up in smoke Let beauty come out of ashes So at this point on the you've got to watch the video because at this point on the video they are doing like it is making Deadpool look like a very epic emotional kind of movie. It, they're basically doing a similar thing that they did with like the song from Titanic. You know? Yes, it's, it's, yes. It's her in a big hall, all alone, singing on the stage, but then they're cutting to the clips from the movie. Yes, and, and you know some of them is stuff we see in the trailer, like when he walks <laughs> in the door and his girlfriend runs into his arms, right? And stuff like that. And they do it all in you slow know, motion. Like Steve said, they're they're making this look like it's this big epic like emotional romance kind of movie and then as the second verse begins you get that same big hall empty stage kind of thing with the spotlight on deadpool walking out in high heels <laughs> and he starts to dance and roll around the uh roll but around it's the... this slow kind of seductive yes. like, dance it's to a music it's, it's a slow perfect. it's a slow flash dance dance yeah, and they're like these high heel Deadpool boots that he's wearing. Yeah, it's like pure stilettos. Yep. And it is just hilarious. And so then as she wraps up the song, um, it cuts to this. That was amazing. This is Deadpool in the back of the theater. At the that sample. was the most beautiful performance I've ever seen in my life. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. We need to do it again. <laughs> okay. Why? Well, it's too good. Yeah, this is this is Deadpool 2, not Titanic. All right, you're at like an 11. We need to get you down to a five, five and a half tops. Just phone it in. Listen, this thing only goes to 11. She pointed to her throat. So beat it, Spider-Man. So beat it, Spider-Man. God, I should have asked NSYNC. I should have asked NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> Just like with Deadpool 1, the marketing for Deadpool 2 has been really good. I stand by what I said about the first Deadpool uh, I could have done without the vulgarity. They could they could have been irreverent and tapped down the vulgarity a little bit, and it's still been just as good and just as funny. Um, 
And and I think that what they're doing to bring in like Cable and some of these other characters and um, doing X Force is going to be really fun uh, for Deadpool too. Well, and I weeks. just this is just like one more step in, like you said, in the marketing for this. I love like one of the first trailers we saw for Deadpool two was, you know, big placard from the studio that brought you twenty seven dresses. <laughs> You know, and then in, in another trailer, it's like from the studio that killed Wolverine. Yes, you know, and it's yes, just yeah. now like the latest trailer. There's a quip about Thanos. There's mm-hmm. a quip about the DC movies. Like it understands what it is. Yes, and yeah. it's not afraid to poke fun at itself. And even at the end of the Celine Dion movie, like this isn't Titanic. This is Deadpool too. It's too good. Well, and I'll tell you what else on a, I like about this is that it's also bringing back a. Uh, trope is probably the wrong word, but it's bringing back something that studios did in the early 2000s with a lot of these superhero movies, starting with Spider-Man. And, you know, remember Spider-Man, the big single to come from Spider-Man was Hero by Chad Kroger and right. and not Nickelback. Um, well, but Batman, too. I mean, the original, the uh, first Kiss, Tim Burton Batman movie. Oh, had yeah, with the Prince. Soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you had know, Kiss. And then from uh, one of the, Batman. the later Batman movies had the big Seal song mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, and it had the U2 song. Yep. Hold Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, Thrill Me. That was Batman Forever with that and Seal. And But but so they tried to, in the subsequent movies, and I think the only other song that really hit big from some of those early 2000 movies was Evanescence off the uh, Daredevil soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but they tried to continue that trend, and 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 then it kind of faded away. Uh, and so I, I feel like this is kind of like let's bring that on back now. <laughs> and it's I just, just I want to be a fly in on the wall in the room when they approach Celine Dion about doing a song for Deadpool too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want to know what her initial reaction was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like what what. Deadpool what? Because I can't even imagine Celine Dion watching a Deadpool movie. Right, right. Like, I feel like she's too good and pure. Yes. You know, like, I, I you know, to, to do that. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Well, and, you know, and, and she is. And that's the thing. And he and I love that it's that self-referential, that, self-referential that, it, that, you know, that they get that. And that's who Deadpool always is in the comics, too. Yeah. Deadpool is the one character in the comics that knows that he's in a comic book. Yeah. And, and so he's always breaking the fourth wall and doing this silly shtick and everything, and he's never very serious or whatever or what the case may be. There's that the new trailer that's out that I saw today actually has him do the sword thing where he cuts through a bullet, um, that like he did in the in the Wolverine movie, and and Cable's like not far from him and he shoots it and he cuts through it and then cable just unloads the gun it's just a it's a pistol and he unloads it and daredevil's just swinging the swords around and then it cuts to daredevil and you just see all these holes in his all uniform all the bullet holes in him <laughs> yeah i mean it's like he's the bugs bunny or the coyote you know of the of the marvel universe in the comics and i just love that you know they're having that much fun with it and um and i think that's part of the success uh, of the first movie and and will be the success of the second movie but also it's the most faithful uh, rendition of Colossus as far as just his look on screen, you yeah. know, of any other one. So I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'll be in a, they, they've sold me on this. I was kind of cool on it because of the, just the amount of vulgarity in the first one. I was like, eh, I'll probably wait to see it. But man, 
all the marketing has completely sucked Just me in on this. Just go home and bathe in some holy water That's after. Right. <laughs> That's right. So, or bring bring a rosary with you or yeah. something like that. Yeah. To cleanse yourself. But bring... yeah, they're probably going to have a number one single before the movie even opens. Well, they should. That's a good song. Yeah. That's a good song. Well, um, all right. All right, Thanos is here, dude. Let's just dive into it. Okay, well, I want to play a little bit of the trailer first because I love this first trailer they put out. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. In time, you will know what it's like to lose. Feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Evacuate the city. Get your defenses and get this man a shield. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. of the freaking galaxy. That's right. <laughs> Although he didn't say freaking. I want to go back to what you said at the outset uh, of starting out this conversation, Irish, and that is this is a movie that was 10 years in the making. Um, yes. This is the 19th of these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and what is really amazing is to hear Kevin Feige talk about that first post-credit sequence on Iron Man is that they threw that in there as a just in case, you know, just in case we can go the full direction we want to go. We're going to go ahead and start dropping this thing in there. And 10 years later, 10 years, 18 movies, um, billions of dollars, billions of dollars, TV shows, you know, all this stuff. Here we are. And it, it and this movie had to fulfill a task that, Really, it came down to, can they do what they've set themselves up to do? 
You know, from the minute you see Thanos in that mid credit sequence in, in the first Avengers, it's like, okay, so are we going to go there? It's like, holy shnikes. Exactly. Freaking Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at that point, we hadn't even, like, the space stuff hadn't even been introduced. No. I mean, outside of the Chitari showing up, you know, that's. And, and so. And the idea of the Infinity Stones and everything hasn't even. That word hadn't even been uttered yet, you know? And so. They, I don't know. I'm just, I, I was watching this movie, and one of the things, one of my fears going in was can it live up to what it set up for itself? Not even hype, but just what th- this situation is set up for itself. And, and right out of the gate, I'll tell you, I think it did so and more. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And, and there is a contingency of, of critics and, and, you know, movie people and, Fans who think that it was emotionally manipulative, and that it was um, that you know the the stakes aren't real, and all they they were living all these complaints about it, you know. And I'm just like, hold on, sit back. For the characters, these stakes are real. And and for me, as a fan who's read the old Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War comics, and you know, and who knows the stories as they were, you know, I. I recognize that this is the first part of a two-part movie, basically. And it is everything that an old-school comic book crossover is. Yes. And that is, we've got them all together, and now we're going to have the cliffhanger for next month's issue be half the world, half the universe is dead, including many of our heroes. Yep. And, And to me, that's like, it's it's perfect comic book storytelling. Well, why don't why don't we use that as our jump up, jumping off point? Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about it in terms of being a comic book. Um, I I've seen it twice now. I saw mm-hmm. it Saturday morning with the whole family, and then I went and saw it again on Monday morning by myself. And the one thing that really really struck me when I was watching it the second time on Monday was. Well, actually, the two things that really struck me in terms of it being a comic book is number one, this whole ten year, this whole ten year story that we've been on, mm-hmm. to me is so reminiscent of, especially when Marvel when it was in its heyday and like they would do the big summer big event storyline and you know you would have right. to buy. You'd have to buy the four or five issues to get that main story. Mm -hmm. But then that main story spun off into all the regular ongoing series. And so if you wanted to get the whole picture, you would read everything. But, you know, you could kind of pick and choose. And that's essentially what they've done with all the movies. You know, the Avengers movies is your main story. Mm -hmm. And then all of the individual character movies are kind of the spinoffs from that. Yep. You know, we've seen repercussions from what happens in those Avengers movies play out in the character movies. And we've seen stuff that happened in the character movies play into the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing, it just watching Infinity War on its own, it you watch it and it's a comic book, you know, in, yep. in the way that in the way that a big like Avengers comic, you'd get two or three pages that focus on cap and then you turn the page and now you've transitioned to 
Thor's part of the storyline. You get that for a few pages, you turn the page, and now you've transitioned to the Guardians of the Galaxy storyline. I mean, that was really how, when I watched it the second time, I started seeing it as a comic book. Right, right. You could almost see the narration uh, thing. Meanwhile, in yeah. Wakanda, or uh, in... Yeah, or like a couple little scenes, like, you know... The, the editor's note at the bottom. Yes, you know, like, yeah. You know, with the, the big surprise of the movie on Vormir, you know, it would be like, you know, see C- Captain America Winter Soldier. Or see Captain America the First Avenger. Yes, yes, yeah. sorry. So what, yeah. I got a mix and, and a real snarky editor would put Red Skull zapped himself into space and Captain America the First Avenger. Way, yes. uh, they'd say way back in, you know, that kind of thing. And... That's a, yeah, that's a great point because it really is. It does jump the way that a comic book would jump, but at the same time, it flow. I thought it flowed really well. I it's a long movie, and I didn't feel it was very long until I'm sitting through the credits. The the longest part of this movie is it's the, the credits. credits. Yeah, and because um, you're just waiting for that last scene. Like, where? What are they going to do with the last scene? Yeah, and. I, and I was such an idiot going, as we were riding to go see the movie, I, I, I told the person I was with, I said, I'm going to say this out loud. And uh, I said, because it's a huge step out. And I'm like, but I, because I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything beyond what was in the trailers about this movie going in. Yeah, I'm so glad. I. And I didn't want to know. And, uh, and I said, I think the post credit, I said, you know, Marvel bought Fox or, I mean, uh, Disney's bought Fox, and there's really been nothing said about the that, Fantastic Four, and that is not a done deal yet. Right, th- there is now a thing in place where Comcast may be coming I in, know, stupid Comcast. and trying to s- to swipe Fox out yeah. from under Disney. Right, that's a whole other thing. Right, but I was saying that you know it's been kind of quiet. Nothing's really been said about some of these different properties and everything. And I'm like, it would not surprise me if. The last shot is the skyline of New York, and you see a flare go up into the sky, and it turns into a giant four. And you just, oh. and then it, and then as the as the camera pans back, you see this tr- this big old dude in a trench coat and a fedora, and you hear him say, "It's clobbering time." It's clobbering time. And that so I, awesome. I said, "So that's my call." Now, of course, what we got was an awesome, you know, souped-up beeper with uh, right. with the Captain Marvel insignia on it, which makes more sense than my thing did. But <laughs> well, I thought. I th- because there's that one shot in the trailer of Thanos like pushing down on Captain America. Yes. And I, I thought Cap was going to die in the end, mm-hmm. and that in his death it was going to be revealed that he was a Skrull. That, that's oh where wow! I this was wow! The, I thought it was leading into oh my gosh! Secret I hope they don't do all that. <laughs> oh, listen, well, but this came about because. Marvel was so adamant that these that three and four were not parts one and two, and clearly right. they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that it was a shrewd bit of marketing to to say that they weren't, because otherwise you've got people going into, oh, this is just part one. I'll just wait a year mm-hmm. until part two comes out, and then I'll watch the first one on Blu-ray or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think that if it had been clearly marketed as part one, that it would have turned some people away. Yeah. Well, um, I, if the, if I I think I would have been a bit miffed if 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 anyone would have been revealed revealed to be a scroll. Oh, I was thrilled that it didn't happen. Yeah, but and that was kind of what I was mm-hmm. expecting. 
But it, but I tell you what I what I did expect because I I never understood them to say that it's not part one and two. I understood them to say the title for the fourth one is not Avengers: Infinity War Part Two. And well, the, no, that when they first announced them, they announced them as part one and part two. Right. And then months later, they came out and said that well, no, that's not the case anymore. Yeah, and I just understood that being a matter of the titles. And they said, we can't tell you the title of four because it would spoil... Because it would spoil three. Right. Yeah. So when I when, when I was watching it, um, I, what I figured would be the case... I, I guess it did kind of pan out the way I thought it would, but I really thought we would spend a lot of time with Thanos getting these Infinity Stones, and and I didn't think that he'd actually snap his fingers. At the end, I didn't think that he'd actually get the goal of wiping out half the universe. Yeah, neither did I. I thought that it might end with him having all six. Right. I mean, another thing I kind of envisioned was was the movie ending with him arriving on Earth. Yes. Yep. Basically, just kicking the bejesus out of all of the Earthbound heroes, mm -hmm. and then our spacebound heroes who are actually familiar with Thanos. They kind of show up at the end, and it's like we know who this guy is. We're right. gonna, we'll, we'll show you how to beat him. Right, right. And but, of course, we didn't get any of that. No, uh, and I'm, you know, and the thing is, is I'm glad that I didn't have this beat for beat. I'm glad that I didn't know because to me, it was just this amazing thrill ride that I, I just, like I said, it was a to me. I know it was a. It's the longest Marvel movie out there to date, but at the same time, it didn't feel so long. It did not feel. Did not feel it at all for Does, me. Even on the second, because I've only seen it the one. I haven't been uh, able not to. A, on the second movie, the second viewing, it went even faster. Yeah, great, good. Um, the, the, I just love that. Here it is, ten years in, and Marvel's given me an Avengers movie that is full of surprises yeah. for me. Yeah. Full of stuff I did not see coming. Mm -hmm. Well, and they did everything. As far as character reveals and introductions almost perfectly you know it worked so organically the way all these differing characters came together mm -hmm. yeah definitely and the other thing that i've thought about just from the structure of the movie and and this is one thing that i, I may have even said to to a friend off air is that for everyone who's complained about marvel being too lighthearted and and having no real gravitas to it. They did a really good job in this movie. There were jokes here and there, and there were funny moments, especially with the Guardians and Thor and that sort of stuff uh, initially. And, and But it was never overdone. It didn't become a, a, a comedy in the same way that Thor kind of became a comedy. It, it was played like this is serious. This, you know, now... Everything leading up to this, whether it's the Chitari or Ultron, you know, everything, the, the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, all this stuff has been child's play to this point. Mm -hmm. and, and it just got real, so to speak. And I thought the tone of the movie throughout kept that tone very good so that you kind of stay on the edge of your seat the whole time. And, and you're, you're constantly concerned for everyone on the screen. And yeah. And and it's just something it was it was a feeling that no other Marvel movie has had to this point. 
Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and the humor doesn't come at the expense of characters. It right. Comes, it comes naturally through the characters. Right. You know, if we if we look at some of the funny moments in the movie, you know, Drax standing still for an hour, <laughs> you know, that's something that is funny because if you've seen the first two Guardians movies, you know that Drax would do something like that. That's yep. completely within his character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Thor and Cap see each other on the battlefield and have the little quips about that, that, oh, I see you cut your hair. Oh, I see you've grown your beard like mine. <laughs> you know, that's within character, especially for Thor. That's yeah. within character yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, Peter Quill deepening his voice to sound like Thor mm-hmm. is completely in character for him because he's completely insecure when it comes to Gamora and he's threatened by this guy with the sinewy muscle and everything. That he is not a dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's so a, it just com- you are a you're dude. one sandwich away from being fat. Yeah. It just completely <laughs> works. And yep. It's because we've gotten to know these characters so well that they feel so real to us that it's like we're watching family on screen almost. Well, right. And we're, and we're laughing with them and at them. Yeah. I, I, I guess my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is the first scene with the Guardians where they come flying in and the camera is in the cockpit, kind of moving around the cockpit while... Peter and Gamora are singing Rubber Band Man. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that she's singing with him. Like, you know, if you go back to the first movie and how she kind of had contempt for him and the music and all that stuff, and, like, now she's sitting there singing the song with him. Right. I, it just, like, it just warmed my heart so much. Yeah, and I, I had someone, someone told me they didn't like the way that, Quill was characterized in this movie. They said he wasn't as, they said he came off as more jealous and 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 a little darker. I'm like, well, first of all, he was jealous. Yeah, you know, he was very, because that's who he is. He's very insecure about things. But then, secondly, the minute he is separated from Gamora, uh, it becomes something. Uh, you know, the situation becomes very dire to him. Yep. And and knowing Thanos and hearing of Thanos and when and when th- and when they just find out that he you know basically ravaged Xandar, you know the, it's it's a line in the movie that if you don't listen you won't catch. But it's something that it suddenly it ramps up the seriousness of the situation. And so, you know, I feel like the Guardians are a little bit more in on the seriousness of it all before even the people on Earth are. Well, of course they are because one of their family, one of their crew, is the daughter of Thanos. Right. And, right. like, the seventh member of their crew is the other daughter of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if of anybody, they know what Thanos is all about, who he is, and what his mission is better than all any of the other heroes. Yeah. Well, except maybe Thor. And, and dude, the opening of this movie was so brutal. Yeah. With the, with the wiping out of all those Asgardians, Heimdall's killed, Loki is killed. The death of Loki was just shocking to me. I really thought Loki was going to fall in with Thanos's gang. Yeah, because I mean that they teased that in the trailer, mm-hmm. and because it would be completely Loki-like to do something like that. Yeah, and uh, and his death was brutal, and it was shocking, and 
you know, and to make Thor sit there and watch, it was just, but, but I love that Loki threw out Stark's line to Thanos. We have a Hulk. Yeah. And of course, Hulk gets his tail kicked. Well, but the other brilliant thing that comes about in that opening scene is, I mean, not only does it take you back to the very end of Ragnarok, Mm -hmm. but it also takes you back to the original Avengers movie. Because it was Loki basically working for Thanos who brought the Chitauri army. That's right. And and that's referenced in that scene as well. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all full circle. It's all connected, so to speak. As they used to say back after the first Avengers. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that um, that whole opening scene... And the fact, here's what I love that they did. And, and this is another thing. If you watch that original trailer, when they're in Wakanda and everyone's charging in the direction of the camera, like coming at the camera. Yeah, that scene's not in the movie. No, well, no, not with the Hulk in it. That scene's not in the movie at all. Yeah, they all charge at one point. No, that that running shot, mm-hmm. that's not in the movie. I thought it was, only it's, only it's Bruce in the uh, Hulkbuster armor. No. Oh, wow. Well, nope, because they all go into the forested area kind of separately. Okay, I thought there was. I thought there was that moment as they let the shield open up that they all started to charge. No, they all get separated on the battlefield and kind of like one by one or in pairs go into the forest. Okay, all right. Well, then I was I was missing. But what they do in that is that misdirection with the Hulk and that shot in the trailer. Yep, because. The Hulk refuses to come back out, and I love that. I love. So do I. I love that the Hulk was scared. Yep. And that's the first ultimately... time in his life he's well, and it's also a brilliant way to start the movie and establish how much of a ba Thanos is. Yes. Because he completely schools the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Decimates him. Yep. And we've never seen that before. Nope. Like even when the Hulkbuster beat him. You know, the Hulk, but it was kind of a tie almost, you know? Well, the Hulk, well, here's what happened. Well, if you think back to that battle in Age of Ultron, he's beating the crap out of him, and the Hulk just kind of turns the side, spits out a tooth, and Tony Stark goes, I'm sorry. Yeah. And and that whole building falls down on the Hulk, and he still comes up ready to swing, but he starts to see those people, and he comes to his senses. Yeah. So he just goes, you know, so so he's distracted, and, and Stark's able to take him out. Here, it's like, it is not just Thanos got the upper hand, you know, through trickery or whatever. Thanos just beat the crap out of him. Just pummels him. Yeah. And so when when he turns back to Bruce, he refuses to come out mm-hmm. because he's scared. And that's what... And no! I was, yes. And I was explaining to the person with me, I'm like, the Hulk is a child. He has the, he has the mental capacity of a child. And so the fact that he's never experienced being beaten down like that before is is huge, and now he's scared. So it's going to make it that much more awesome when he gets over it, you know? Fingers crossed. I do think he's going to play a big part in the fourth mm-hmm. in the fourth one. Yeah. I do too. I hope so. I hope so. The the entrances for a lot of these people were, were two in particular that got our theater cheering. Was the first one was when Cap shows up. My favorite. It was fantastic, man. Oh, I just like I had goosebumps. I was just like clenching my fists, like, yeah, it's 
freaking Captain America. <laughs> I mean, even it though we had seen him coming out of the shadows in the trailer, right? Like, it was just like that moment because, like, just Wanda doing everything she can to protect Vision, and the two of them basically being pinned down and stuff, and then out of the shadows, it's Cap, mm. and then it's it's Falcon, and it's black widow and i'm like the secret avengers <laughs> that's really what it was and um and just the uh the, the relationship between vision and wanda of course is straight out of the comics it's an amazing thing to have that actually on screen um and, and of course his death so to speak it was gosh was just like gut wrenching the way he just ripped the stone out of his forehead and then he turned yeah. all gray and everything. And um, so, what was the other scene that got your the other theater? scene that got our theaters when when Thor shows up on Earth? Yeah, when Ultimate Thor mm-hmm. comes down with Stormbringer, <laughs> uh, the theater went nuts. Yeah, he's not Ultimate Thor. Yeah, he it's the same costume. He had he had a similar costume. Um, it's the same. It's the same costume and. It, the ultimate store basically used uh stormbringer stormbreaker stormbreaker yeah 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 but stormbreaker is also beta ray bill's hammer I, the name I know of hammer. but okay. it's look at pictures of him in ultimate and ultimate avengers it's okay. basically ultimate Thor. i don't know i disagree a little bit i disagree just a touch but it's not a big deal um, I love I love Stormbreaker too. I, I dude I like that whole I enjoyed the whole forging of Stormbreaker. I just it just felt so epic. It did. It so really did. Huge. And I just love like when he first mentions that they need to go there and Rocket gets all excited like wait that's not a myth mm-hmm. this place is real because you know Rocket loves big huge weapons and this is the place that makes the best <laughs> that's right. biggest hugest weapons there are. And then you get there, and it's like this whole forge built around a star, and, mm-hmm. and Peter Dinklage was perfect for it. And it just, oh, I loved all of that. I love the turning of the, the, the idea of the dwarf on its head and still using Peter Dinklage as a little person. He's a but giant to be, dwarf. To be big, yes, exactly. Yeah. And the, the restarting of the whole engine and the whole forge was just so cool to me. And Groot giving up his arms. Yep. The handle was awesome. Yeah. Well, which was great because Team Groot was getting on my nerves. And and then, you know, he started to grow up. He starts to become man Groot <laughs> in yep. that moment, you know, where he realizes this has got to be done. And um and I, I am Groot. I am yeah. I am Steve Rogers. It was fantastic to see all these I different want interactions. I teach Groot as an elective in, in schools all over the place. All over the world, yes. I love that Thor speaks Groot. Yeah, because it was an elective. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man in this was really good, and the way that they end up with him getting on that ship. And, you know, the fact that the way that he ends up with Tony and Doctor Strange is just, and, and Peter Quill is perfect. Yeah. Um, just because of the, uh, again, it's that natural comic book way of everybody coming together, you know. And of course, Peter and Drax and uh, Mantis showing up on Titan there with him. But uh, Peter's line, another funny line that I thought was just great. It was in the trailers as well. But when he says, "I'm Doctor Strange," he's like, "Oh, we're using our uh, our fake names, our, our, our made up names." Yeah, I'm yeah. Spider Man. 
Um, I love, once again, Peter saves the day with an awesome movie reference. Yes, yes. Remember that old movie, Aliens? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, and it was, it was great because every time we saw one of Thanos' crew go down, you got a little bit more hope that, well, maybe our, maybe they can win, you know? Maybe. I, 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 I got to say, too, since we're kind of in the Peter, Tony, strange mm-hmm. little section of the movie here, you know, the, the Doctor Strange, I personally like the Doctor Strange movie. I, I know it's too. not. Uh, it's not a favorite for a lot of people, but the one thing that I took out of watching a Doctor Strange movie was I couldn't wait to see him as part of the bigger Avengers group. Mm, right. And that paid off in spades yes. for me in this movie because his personality and his character just contrasts so well with so many of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those scenes in the Sanctum Sanctorium. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I can't believe you're leaning against the cauldron of eternity or whatever it was. Um, you know, and then him and Tony kind of clashing heads in the spaceship and stuff. That was all just perfect mm-hmm. for me. That was what I was really looking forward to when we knew that Doctor Strange was going to become part of this uh, shared universe. Well, he is the Sorcerer Supreme. You know, like he, it, it, Doctor. But he's such an arrogant. D well, sure he is. Too. Well, of course. He, that, well, you would be too if you were the Sorcerer Supreme. But he was that way before he became, when he was just the 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 surgeon. Yes. Supreme. Yes. Well, and he still. I mean, but that's the thing. Even that character in the comics, you know, even carries a little bit of that arrogance with him. Yeah. Um, and it's the same way with 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 this guy. His just his focus has shifted to what matters now in his life is no longer doing the hardest surgeries and, and saving lives on an individual level, but protecting the very fabric of reality, you know, and that sort of thing. And, and, and the, the shot where he's looking through time and he yeah. sees 14 million or some, you know, different outcomes and there's only one that works. It's like, you know, you know that when he gives the stone to Thanos and he barters for Tony's life, he says, this was the only way. That is what that saying is. The one way that I saw, this is what has to happen. Yep. And and so there's there is your hope at the end of this movie is that is that Doctor Strange has seen that they will win. Like they have telegraphed that you know there's victory coming. Mm-hmm. You know it's just what you got to go through to get there. And it's not lost on me that our original Avengers are the only ones left. And especially that core three, Cap, Thor, and Tony are the ones who are left when, you know, left standing. And that reunion is one that I can't wait to see. Yeah. I, I just want I just want to say this real quick because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we're all curious about what Avengers 4 is going to be all about, mm-hmm. how they're going to resolve all of this. Um you know, they're clearly filming the movie because they shot the two back to back. There's, you know, pictures that have shown up online, all kinds of stuff. I I don't really want to talk about anything that might have been seen or right. stuff Agreed. like that. Because honestly, I, I've only heard one or two things. and I feel like I've heard one or two things too many mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to know. I, I, 
I can hold out a year and just see a trailer or two for this. Right. I agree. And be excited to see this. So, I agree. You know, I'm not going to bring any of it up, and I just ask that you don't either. I've I've only seen one picture that apparently leaked, and I've not heard anything else. I've just I'm totally speculating from exactly what happened in the movie. Yeah. In the movie okay. we've seen, and that is that is that they telegraph this, and and I'm doing that I guess because so many times I don't mean to come on here and and rally a defense against the naysayers, but in this case, I just couldn't believe that people were complaining about the ending of this movie and the fact that it's a it's almost i guess in wrestling you'd call it a false finish you know i'm like no it's a cliffhanger this is a classic storytelling and i'm like if you can't go and watch because what i love watching is regardless of it's it's the same thing with the prequels of, of star wars you know where it was all leading same thing with smallville show that i watched for 10 years and loved and you know of course they're dropping like flies over there but um well, no, they're joining cults. That's well, one of them is um, <laughs> leading. By the way, they tried to they tried to drag a second one in yeah, too. She got on out of there. Yeah. Um, but I it, felt for you when I started seeing those headlines. Well, here. And I loved her like, so much. Oh, oh, poor Steve. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's not my life. It's her life. So <laughs> it doesn't affect me really when it's all said and done. Um, the uh, that was cold and callous. I know. But I love Smallville, and I knew where it was headed. You know, you, it's, it's kind of the journey to getting to this point. And so I'm watching this, and rather than like, oh, what do I think? It's, it's like, man, what must these characters think? I have spent 10 years with these characters in this incarnation on the big screen. You know, from 2008 with Iron Man, I've been there every single movie. And I've, and I've actually enjoyed every single movie. And... And yeah, even the ones that aren't my favorites, <coughs> Thor 2, um, I still right. watch over again. I still will enjoy. I watched Thor 2 over the weekend because like, all the Marvel movies are on TV right now. Dude, I tell you, Thor 2, to me, it's got all I need is that moment where he's like fighting against the, you know, against what Malekith has put, all the energy that Malekith throwing out at him and everything. And he's got his hand behind him, you know, summoning Mjolnir. And he's planting those gravity stakes, and he's just getting yeah. ready for it. And I'm just like, this is all I need is this man, is this is this situation right here. See, for me, it's where he jumps off the balcony and catches Mjolnir, and like, yes, makes like, yes, that, that's just one of my favorite <laughs> shots in all of the Marvel movies. Yes, that is a good stuff. Uh, but uh, I also like the subway scene. <laughs> yes, or. or it's, or when he comes in and just hangs Mjolnir on the coat rack. Yes, yes. All right, let's stop. Anyhow, let, 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 let's talk. About so what? I'm, what I'm guy. saying? What let's I'm saying is grimace for a minute. Okay, well hold on though. Let me finish okay. my statement. What I'm saying is, is all I needed was to watch these characters play out this story, and it, because I didn't, I didn't need. You know, the thing is, is Marvel has has shown us time and time again. They're not here to be overly cerebral about everything. They're not here to, you know, they're here to tell good, classic, superhero, good versus evil stories. And that's what this was with a major cliffhanger. And and that's all the end was, was a cliffhanger. And there's nothing wrong with that. There was no deception in the marketing. There was no uh, really deception in the storytelling. Was there some emotional manipulation? Well, there has to be. You want to feel something. So, yes. Was the Spider-Man death scene a little emotionally manipulative? Sure, but it worked. 
You know, and so I just, I absolutely came away with it. Now, you just said Thanos, and here's the thing I want to say. Josh Brolin is is an actor who I always forget how much I love everything that I ever see him do. He is fantastic. and He gets better with each movie. And you could totally see and tell that he was not so digitized up and, you know, digitally made up that you couldn't tell. It wasn't just Josh Brolin doing a voice. Yeah, you know this was Josh Brolin acting, and it never looked. There were yeah, times. Yeah, it was. It wasn't Steppenwolf. Right, right, exactly. I didn't want to. You know, again, Ares, Let's not. That's I, at Darth. Look, I, it, it is what it is. <laughs> that's at Darth underscore Duff. Everybody on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not digging at DC. I'm just. It's the perfect example of yeah. a great character actor in Siren Hines doing nothing but providing a voice yeah. to a completely digital character. Yeah. And and that's not what happened here. Whereas I, that's not what happened with Thanos. Mm-hmm. What do you think of his motivation? You remember in the comic, you know, it was just that he was in love with death. And yeah, so he that's was what... in love with death. And so he was trying to impress death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that before we wrap up tonight, we should talk a little bit about the comic and the movie. Sure. Um, but Thanos as a character in the movie... I, I thought he was just absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. um, because he's not, you know, he's known as the mad Titan, but yep. there was no madness in him. This was a, this was a character who in his mind was completely sane. He was, his motivation was simply, he thought he was doing the right thing, the necessary thing to prolong life in the galaxy. You know, because he had seen how it destroyed his world right. and he wasn't going to allow that to happen to the rest of the galaxy. So in his mind, the only way to stop this from the overpopulation and draining resources and stuff was you have to just randomly choose half the universe and kill them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and you see it at the end. He snaps his fingers and it happens and the movie ends with him just coming out of his hut and sitting peacefully and what he's done. He did what he's, he was doing what he said he wanted to do. And that is go sit down and watch the sunrise. Yeah. He, he, he completed his mission. He's done. And I just thought it was really, it was such a refreshing villain. You know, it's not about ruling everything and putting everybody under my boot. It's just, this is my goal. Collect all six stones, snap my fingers, and my mission is completed. And and he kept losing throughout. You know, that he, he has to sacrifice his daughter Gamora, who mm-hmm. was pretty clear he loved or he wouldn't have gotten the soul stone. He loses all of the, the children of Thanos. They're all gone, destroyed. You know, and he has that line at the end where he's like, this day just keeps taking a toll on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, and then he's also physically, physically harmed from it by, you know, by snapping his fingers and doing that. The gauntlet basically kind of implodes on his hand almost. And you see it when he comes out of the hut, like the whole yeah, side of his body up. with the gauntlet is all scarred and burned and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was 
I thought it was a very refreshing villain that it wasn't somebody who was just evil for evil's sake or just like, I'm just angry at everybody. He wasn't angry at anyone. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it to me. I liked his, his, his motivation. I'm like you, I think, you know, we've always heard and we're always told that, you know, the best villains think they're doing the right thing. And he had a reason for what he was wanting to do, because honestly, when you go back and read Infinity Gauntlet, the, the first story that has Thanos doing this, that this really a lot of this is based on, and he's trying to court death, I literally court the entity death in the Marvel yeah. Universe. It seems a little chintzy. It seems a little, I mean, it's very it much... Seems freaking, it it seems something that somebody known as the Mad Titan would do, right? And it's and 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 the and the story is a very '90s Marvel story. Uh, um, the story is it's just bat dung crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's like it, they everyone gets involved in this thing. It is it is great. It's classic Marvel 1990s, you know, stuff. But the this motivation of I saw my planet ruined and I. You know, we got to this is going to bring balance and and it, yeah, everything that you said is spot on. That this is a character who thinks he's doing the right thing, and he could care less about the godlike power that he has. You contrast that with Thanos in the comic books in Infinity Gauntlet. He is doing all of these different things. He's creating his own throne world. He's uh, he's intentionally torturing enemies of his. He's He's doing things. He's fighting the the heroes because he thinks that if I vanquish all these strong warriors, she'll fall in love with me. Right. But in the, but because he even at one point in the comic, he even diminishes his power to fight them so that his victory over them will seem that much grander to right. death. Right. And then he just gets frustrated with the whole thing and is like, ah, I'm going back to full power. Mm -hmm. yeah. She doesn't care. And at one point, he realizes that whatever he does isn't going to matter. She's not going to fall in love with him. And that's when he really goes crazy and starts mm -hmm. fighting Eternity and Galactus. Right, and all the cosmic all the celestials beings. and mm -hmm. stuff. He actually becomes... Doesn't he become like a celestial? He, uh... Or he becomes Eternity. Yes. He defeats eternity and he becomes eternity. And so he has left his body. His body is just sitting there with the glove on it. And that's when Nebula, who is basically, he's turned her into a, a zombie. Like a, yeah, through, some kind of weird. all the torture. Some kind of weird zombie. milkshake looking thing. <laughs> she seizes the opportunity and just pulls the glove off and puts it on herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, the, but yeah, there's none for of those that of you, madness in him. And and even like he proposed the plan of culling fifty percent of the population to save his world mm -hmm. and his own people didn't listen to him. Yep. And he even says he's like he's like it was gonna be completely random, you know, the the poor and the rich were gonna suffer equally in it. Like he it was the this perfect kind of utopian idea that he had. And when they didn't listen to him, that's when his planet fell to ruin and destruction. And that further implanted the idea in his head that I have to go do this to the rest of the universe. I have to save them. And and that's what makes him mad, is yes. that he could not find a way for life to be the 
to be the answer. He, it was all, it's death is the answer. Yes, his solution was death, but he, he saw it as a sacrifice that had to be made to save others. Right. And so in his mind, he wasn't mad, but to everybody else, it's like, dude, you're killing half the universe. You can't do that. You're mad. And so, yeah, so I, and it was played perfectly. The calm determination, you know, it's like you said, he never went nuts in this movie. He never... Yeah, there's only a few moments where he, like, you know, went from, like, a 5 to a 9 or a 10. Right. Um, the the scene where Spider-Man almost has his glove off of almost has the gauntlet off of him, you know, and he's fine. Uh, it's just the whole thing. God, mm. is just is great. And his performance, Josh Brolin's performance was outstanding as Thanos. Yeah, I, I will say this when when Ultimate Thor strikes him at the end. And he's like, you should have gone for the head. Yes. I'm like, no, you should have gone for the arm. You yes, should have cut his exactly, arm off. exactly. That's how you beat him. Then mm -hmm. he doesn't have the gauntlet anymore. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I love this movie so much, man. Like, so do I. it's everything it needed to be. It is everything it needed to be. Um, and and I am I am looking forward to to the next I, I truly truly am um well just like picking up on that you know it, we were talking about the comic a minute ago mm -hmm. and how nebula wrestles takes the glove off of him yeah and you know then she becomes so then you know thanos winds up actually teaming with the avengers and dr strange and silver surfer to now beat Nebula. Um, and so just looking at that, like, I think that, I think there's going to be three characters who are going to play a significant role in, uh, to, I, almost saying defeating Thanos seems wrong at this point because he's already won. Mm -hmm. But, you know, somehow, it, I, I think all of us are seeing some sort of time manipulation coming in the next one where they're going to fight this battle again. Um, but I think that I, I think Tony Stark Nebula, because she's got such a mad on to, to destroy Thanos. Mm -hmm. And now, especially th that he's killed her sister, you know, I think it's even more so. Um, and then, and then the Hulk, I, I, because I think that that's going to complete this little Hulk trilogy that we're getting. Right. With Ragnarok and these two Avengers movies. Um, I think the three of them somehow are going to play a really significant part in wrestling a victory or redemption or something out of this. Well, there, there has to be an undoing. You know, we know there's supposed to be a second yeah, Spider-Man movie. Yeah, we're going to get Spider-Man 2, right. uh, Black Panther 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Like, we know these movies are coming. Right. And so that's that's the thing, is we there has to be an undoing of this. And that's okay. Again, that's what comics are. You know, there's a setting right of things. I think that, I, I really think that we're going to, we may see more of the, quote, Mad Titan in this fourth movie 
because he's won, why would he go back and fight again? And I think you're going to get to see him manipulated into doing so. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, speaking of the comic, the end of the original Infinity Gauntlet, they basically uh, wipe Thanos' mind, and he he ends up being a farmer out on some planet somewhere, and one of the last things you see is uh, a scarecrow in his field. Well, no, the, actually, the last thing you see is just him sitting. Oh, yeah, just him sitting there, there looking out over the field. And it's the same thing that's the last thing that we see in the movie. Right. So it's in, is it Infinity War that starts out with that? I haven't read Infinity War yet. Okay. Because Infinity War is the second one. And so Thanos comes back. And, and I think it does. It starts out. And you can actually see at the end of the movie when Thanos is sent down over to the right of the screen. There's this huge, big scarecrow. Yeah, Infinity War actually starts in the field, and it's Thanos' old costume that he'd been wearing, and it's just strung up like a... Um... Yeah, that's an Infinity Gauntlet also, where the, the purple and gold costume is the scarecrow. You see that at the end of Infinity Gauntlet. Cause it's, okay, yeah, um, that's what I was saying, yeah. Yeah, it's, at, it's Adam Warlock and uh, a couple other characters that go to visit him. Right, yeah. At the end. And so they see the scarecrow first, and then they get to his little house, and he's just sitting there. Right. He's just a he's just a humble farmer. Yeah. And so and and there was and it's amazing. It is amazing how that last scene was so just heartbreakingly satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know, of of Thanos just there sitting down because it's almost like, Oh, well, Thanos is here. Uh, <laughs> Thanos is one. I just remember sitting there. Like I was, re- I was like worn out after everything I'd seen, but also like, this is peaceful and it scares me how peaceful it is. You know, what, what's to come of our heroes. Isn't Tony stranded on Titan by himself? He's not by himself. He's with Nebula. Okay. So Nebula is still there. Okay. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and they're not stranded because the Guardian spaceship is there. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, how did they get there otherwise? Right, that's right, that's right. The Guardians showed up there because of yeah because of and their Nebula plan with Thor. Fly that ship. Mm-hmm. So that's how he'll get back to Earth. And man, I mean, I can't. I... The Guardians got there because Nebula told them, called them, and told them to meet her there. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I you know, just looking ahead. There's so much that I want to see in the next one. I do want to see the Hulk get over his fear and finish this three-part arc of that character, which I think is, has been done brilliantly, by the way, in this, as I said. We didn't get to see Tony and Cap meet back up. No. Um, and, and that's, no, that resolution still that has to come. Right, and, and so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing those three, Cap, Tony, and Thor together. I love Tony just complaining that Cap gave him a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, how about Nat seeing Bruce? Oh, it was good. Man. Awkward. It was awkward, but it was still, it was done so well. The Russos, I mean, take my money, guys. They're just, yeah. they just know how to do these movies. But you know what? All of them, take, you know, a lot of what we saw here was, you know, set up in Civil, well, Civil War was the Russos also. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was set up in Ragnarok yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's just all played out so well leading into all of this. And, you know, I was uh, verbally and vocally a little bit disappointed with how much comedy 
was in Ragnarok and oh, how, no, and how funny it. Ragnarok was. But now watching that juxtaposed Infinity War, you need that la- you need that movie before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. You know, you need that breath. You need even though the stakes are high in, in Ragnarok and everything, you need the all that levity that that movie gives you as you lead into Infinity War because again, Infinity War is grim and it's and it is foreboding well, throughout the movie. And I was just excited that Infinity War picked up right where Ragnarok left off. And there has I mean, it, Oh my gosh, like they're just, this is like it's like bam, like a kid, like turn the page. It's, it's like Rocky too. Yeah, it's like Rocky too. Yeah, um, it's like all the Rocky. There's not been another Marvel movie that's really picked up to that extent, is there? No, not that I can think of. I no. can't either. But just all the little threads were there. Mm-hmm. You know the, you know the the Bruce showing back up, and you know the the scene where he's like, "Well, just call Steve," and Tony's like. Ugh. We've got to have so much to catch up on, <laughs> you know, and it's like right. all that little stuff that mm-hmm. just really pays off in this. Yeah. Well, they kept, and it, was, it was throughout the whole movie. They kept track of where everyone was and what everyone had done. You know, like they, they did, su- they had the greatest script supervisor in the world for 10 years worth of movies. <clears throat> Best story group in the world. Mm. <clears throat> I don't, hey, I'm just going to tell you straight up, don't disagree. I don't disagree. What um, did you think of Iron Man's armor? You know, I am a purist when it comes to Iron Man's armor, and I'm I'm much more of a suit-up kind of fan of Iron Man, but... I, I, I miss, the, I miss the, the armor that was truly armor and not like right. this living skin that's, on him. Right, that's, that's where I'm at. But, you know... For for the sake of having something that is, you know, I guess kind of visually cool and, you know, able to be more... I mean, it makes sense that he's constantly enhancing what it is and what it does and, and how he can do it, especially in the wake of Iron Man 3. You know, you saw that he was kind of trying to do that. and it's So yeah. it's a natural evolution of that point, I guess. Um, but I'm a fan more of the actual armor, you know, that you have to... that goes on and, you know... That, he gets caught in compromising positions with in the first Iron Man. Um, you, let's face it, you've seen me do it in a lot worse situations than this. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I was. A, yes. I, I tell you what, I like his armor, and and I am in the minority in this better than I like the Iron Spider suit. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about the Iron Spider suit. And a, a little bit too much with the the spider legs coming out of it. And actually, I, I got to say the one thing that, that it was like both of their suits, especially Tony's. What couldn't it do? Right. You know, right. It, it's making his hands turning into a sword. There's a hole in the ship, so it's filling the hole. You know, like where is all this? I guess nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed to be, it was doing too much. His, his, it's completely destroyed and then it fixes itself. His boots join together and make a rocket, you know, to yeah. launch him further to that spaceship. Yeah, it was. A, it's a little bit too convenient, you know, of a plot device for them to have, for him to use. Um, 
but again, I, it's not something that I'm like, oh my god, I hate this movie because of, you know what I mean. No, no, same, I just this is me like like a minor nitpick. Right, same thing with the Iron Spider suit because Tom Holland is so good as Spider Man. Yep. You know, I really, I mean, that was my thing in Homecoming is I thought the suit was a little too high tech. You know, I, I I'm a fan of just classic Spidey tights and you know his web shooters and that's what he needs. And yeah, and even in the comic, I wasn't a fan of the Iron. Oh, Spiders. me neither. Me either. I didn't like it at all. You know, um, I, I at least like the fact that he kept with the color scheme in this. Mm-hmm. That they keep with the color scheme with the, on the Iron Spider suit. It did look cool. I like the 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 blue color on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, everything was a little too. I think convenient. I'm like you. I think everything was a little too convenient. But at the end of the day, it's not like it saved their lives or anything. So I I, I loved Rocket and. and the white wolf. Oh, I'm going to get that arm. In <laughs> <laughs> Thor's new eye. Thor's new eye. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I won this plane. You might want to, wa- Oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, watch it. Cause you don't know where that's been. Um, but yeah. And I like that Thor kept calling him sweet rabbit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and tree. Groot was just tree. Yes. Yes. Oh, so much good, so much good about this movie. I do think that my my favorite moments were the the Cap entrance and Thor's entrance to Earth. Um, Mine was the entrance of the the Guardians, their first scene, and then Cap's mm-hmm. entrance. Yeah, Thor's is a very close, like two two and a half. Uh, but those were those were my two favorites dude this movie takes you on a ride i'm telling you it it gives you hope and it takes hope right away from you what did you think of the children of thanos they're 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 characters that in the comics because they're relatively new to the comics by relatively new i mean they weren't really around in the the original infinity yeah like the last five ten years i think they've started showing um uh, and so I've I've not in the comics I've never really cared for them in this movie I thought they worked pretty well I, I like the fact that they were so powerful um, I really dug Ebony Ma now he is he the one he's the one that was fighting Strange and right, Stark yes. and City yeah I like the, kind him. of the wizard mm-hmm. I just thought I just like just how how serene he was yes. during like all this like massive destruction. I thought it was pretty cool. And his his look was scary. Um and and again, the power level of all of them was was enough to kind of make you think, well my gosh, if they're this powerful, like it really it they did a great job of setting up, you know, if they if these guys are this powerful, how much more powerful must is the man that they serve. And though you saw that at the outset, as he kills Loki and as he beats the crap out of Hulk, you still, you know, there's still the kind of this thing in the back of your mind. Well, once everyone's together, they got him, you know, but again, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, so, (laughs) so who do you, who do you think is officially goners? Uh, definitely Loki and Heimdall or Heimdall. I think we'll see Loki again. You think so? Maybe not Tom Hiddleston playing yeah. him, but I think we'll see the character of Loki yeah. again. 
Um, uh, just because the god of mischief and the fact that he is a god. Mm-hmm. That's I, true. I, just, I don't think he's dead. That's he's true. He's too important a character to Thor. Uh, I don't, here's the thing, all the people that kind of flitted away, I don't think will, I think they'll all be back. I think Gamora may definitely be dead. Um, unless yeah, there's... Yeah, Gamora's going to be interesting to see how, uh, she's got something to do with the soul world. Yeah. So, I, I But do... I, I would not be surprised if she is actually dead. Right. I wouldn't either. Um... You know, and that well, of course, and it could be that it's Guardians of the Galaxy three, the search for Gamora. You know, yeah. Um, that they go that they go off trying to to save her, or whatever the case may be. There's a Mark Hamill in the chat has a great theory. He says Gamora is trapped in the Soul Gem. Um. And so the thing is, in comic books, nobody really ever stays dead except for Uncle Ben. Right. And. And, and and the original Captain Marvel in the Marvel Universe. Not the original, original Captain Marvel in comics history, but the original Captain Marvel, as it were. Um, but, yeah, no one really stays dead except for Uncle Ben. And, and I think that's the other thing that I like about this, is this is classic comics, like, we're about to kill them all, you know? Yeah. And, and, one, and, you're going, and you're wondering, how are they going to get out of this? And I really... Um, I really, really, I, I just can't, I can't gush enough about it. And that's really all I've done about this movie since. It's just kind of gush, you know, to people well, when we the, talk about the it. The little bit that they have officially said this week about uh, Avengers 4 mm-hmm. is basically like whatever you think we're going to do, get ready because we're going to, we're going crazy. And that's great. You that know, is fantastic. Like, you're not going to see what's coming. It's going to turn everything on its head kind of thing. And that's fantastic. I'm all for it, you know. Yeah. It's they have it. Look, they have a tall order ahead of them. I trust them completely. They have to start building the next 10 years. Right. But they have That's a, essentially what this next movie I think is going to do. It's going to kick off the new phase. Yeah. But it's got to be um satisfying for the audiences. Yes. You know, you've got to have a good, satisfying conclusion and and continue to set up what's coming next, you know? Well, based on what they've given us so far, I 100% trust them. I do, do too. That. I do, too. I mean, I, I trust them, and I'm not, there's, I'm not going... I'm not going into this movie thinking, oh, well, please impress me. I'll be going in this movie thinking, all right, let's pick up where we left off and let's do this. Look, we got two big guns coming next year mm-hmm. that are going to close out a storyline in, you know, Avengers 4 and Episode 9. And I have all the faith in the world that Avengers 4 is going to deliver. I do, too. I, I, I really do at this point. And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, so am I. It just looks fun. It looks fun. It, it's. It, I love Evangeline Lilly. I, I can't wait to see her kicking butt. It's going to be exactly what we need after Infinity War. And freaking Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer is in this. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's in this, man. What you talking about? Is he? Mm-hmm. Who's Lawrence Fishburne He playing? plays. He plays, um, I can't think of the guy's actual name, but in the comics, he was Black Goliath. Okay. 
And so there's a, did you get, you've seen the new trailer? Yeah. Okay. There's that scene where Scott, that's who Scott's talking to. And he's like, how big did you get? He's like 16 feet. You? And Scott's like 64 feet. Oh, uh, okay. And so Lawrence Fishburne now walks between two worlds. Along... I'm watching the airport battle scene in Civil War right now. <laughs> Just as, as we're talking about Scott, like it's literally him on the TV in front of me. He just went big. I love that when he does that in Civil War, he's just laughing the whole time. Yeah. It's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. he's holding on to War Machine like it's he's a rag doll. Yes. Uh, dude, uh, Ant-Man is a movie that had no business being as good as it was. Again, no, to the, again to the, you know, the success not. of the Marvel Universe. Absolutely you know? not. And it was just fun. It was. It was. I love watching it, man. I, I that. We watched it uh, a few weeks back and um, just kind of had a movie night. And the lady had not seen Ant-Man and she liked Paul Rudd. So she's like, let's watch that. So we stayed in, cooked a meal and sat down and watched Ant-Man. And it was just so much fun to watch. Yep. You know, even the ending battle is just so fun. And yeah, on the toy trains yes, and stuff. And yeah. the giant ant, the giant train out the window. Yeah. Where, uh, um, we've got people quoting Infinity War in the chat. Where is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Who is Gamora? And Drax, I'll do you one better. Why is Why Gamora? Why is Gamora? <laughs> <laughs> like, those moments are funny, but they don't linger too long. No, no, but it's completely in character, too. Yep. Yep. So, I'm watching this Ant-Man trailer right now. Um... <laughs> just I love they use it takes two of that <laughs> so this uh, anyhow yeah I think it's going to be a fun movie and it's everything we need coming off of Infinity War and again yep. I think that's some of the success of what Marvel's figured out how to do they've you know, with the cinema stuff, they've they've really figured out how to to schedule these things well and you know give you a breather, give you a breather, but also get you psyched. I mean, you know, it's like oh, we got to wait a whole year for the next one, but in the course of that year, we're getting Ant Man and the Wasp in July, mm -hmm. and then in February we're getting Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel to lead back into yep Avengers four. Well, and I wouldn't be, I think that Ant-Man and the Wasp is going, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends with some kind of connection to Avengers 4 mm -hmm. as well. Or at least some kind of connection to the end results of Infinity War. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if maybe this stuff is kind of going on because I heard, in, in well, I didn't hear, I saw it happen, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, recently, uh, I guess the most recent episode, someone, about Friday night's episode. someone looks at Daisy and says, what about all that stuff going on in New York? She's like, I don't watch the news. Yeah. And so they're referencing what's happening. Yeah. And... The, 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 look, come on. We, we got to stop pretending that the TV shows are part of the MC. I understand. But what I, I'm saying that to springboard into yeah, that, yeah. you know, they may be on their own thing while everything's going on in New York and, and Wakanda. And then the end of the movie, 
uh, one of them vanishes or one of them, you know. Yeah, or like Michael Douglas yeah. or Michelle Pfeiffer or something like yeah. that. I think it'd be more, I, I honestly think it's going to be intriguing if it's if it's Evangeline Lilly that does. Yeah. And that's going to put Scott back on the quest to go find the Avengers and find out what's going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, and again, that's all speculation. You know, it could be that it's Scott that evaporates and Evangeline Lilly goes. In the comics, in, in, in Infinity War, when Thanos, when Thanos snaps his fingers, you know, they go through a good little few pages to show you who in the hero world is gone. And, well, and the crazy thing, too, is that happens in the first issue of the comic. Right. Right. That's how the comic starts out. Yeah, it starts yeah, with that's him. how that that's He's how got that... the, all the gems and he kills half the universe. But there was leading up to that the Silver Surfer stuff with him and the Silver Surfer that kind of led into yeah. Infinity Gauntlet. And it's basically the Silver Surfer is the one who crashes yes, into, into Doctor Strange's the Sanctum Sanctorium. Right. Yep. I can't pass up an opportunity to say Sanctum Sanctorium. Right. Um it's the Silver Surfer that crashes into it instead of the Hulk. Exactly. Exactly. So, and somebody said it earlier here in the chat. It would have been really cool if the Surfer could have been part of this. I if, agree. You know, Galactus and the Celestials. If like all the bar, because that's what that's what this was was one of those big event storylines that, you know, Wolverine and Cyclops were mm -hmm. in it. it. You know, the mutants were part of it. You know. Yep. Uh, hopefully, ten years from now, that's what the big event will be. Is you know, all the Marvel characters together fighting the coming of yeah. Galactus or something oh, like that. Oh, man. You telling me I don't want to see the Fantastic Four done right? You're talking about one of my favorite comic books of all time. Back in the day was the Fantastic Four, and we haven't seen it done quite right just yet. Man. Just, I, I just want to see that that fight between the Thing and the Hulk. The Thing, the Hulk, and Wolverine. I want to see, like, a, a trifecta fight like that. Dude... The um, the the thing Hulk fight is a dream to me. I and and now here's the thing. I I remember the first Avengers movie when when he hulks out on the helicarrier, and he and Thor start fighting. I remember sitting in the theater thought I never thought I'd get to see this. You know this is because I also love a Thor Hulk fight. Yeah. And and to see it happen and go down, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is and we got to see it twice. Yes. And so I am, you know, they, uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I just know, and I've heard even, I've even heard Foggy say before, you know, that we had plans for if we're able to get these characters and if we're not, you know, we're, we're ready if we ever can get them. And I just, I, I just want to look at the people that have the rights of the Fantastic Four and be like, take a note from Sony, man. You know, because it's not just Fox. It's, there's a, there's a smaller production company that apparently has the rights. Yeah. Uh, some German production company, and it's like just take a note from Sony, and and get paid, get your money. <laughs> yeah, they just made almost a billion dollars in a week. You know, yes, be be part of that. Yeah. You could have gotten a small chunk of that pie for doing nothing but letting them use the Fantastic Four characters. Now, Jeff Lane does mention what about the Hulk Thor fight and Return of the Incredible? You're right, Jeff. Look that, and that satisfied me for the longest time. But you know, there comes a point where I've got where you know you put away those things, uh, those childish things, and you want to be a man. And and what we got was the man Hulk Thor fight in, in in Avengers. M Dunn says, "I hope they do Secret Wars one day." Don't even don't even make me dream, M Dunn. 
You're talking about them getting taken to a planet where they're all just fighting one another to get off? Come on. They just did that on the uh, on the Avengers cartoon. They did Secret Wars? Yeah, that's what this season was. It oh. was... Um, they went to Battle World? Well, the the Beyonder created a battle world. Yeah. Like pieces of these other worlds That's and right. brought them all there. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were, they were kind of scattered around the world and like different, different yes. like Jonah Hex and a couple characters were like in the Western area. And I think Red Skull and some of the other characters were in like the pirate area and stuff. It was pretty cool the way they did it. Mm. So they did kind of an amalgam of the original Secret Wars and then the Secret Wars of a few years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, dude, that original Secret Wars from the 80s is, that is my jam. It gave us Venom. It, well, I tell you what, it gave us a lot. It gave us just some good action pack. There's that one issue where the whole cover is just a huge mountain with the Hulk holding it up. Yes. And uh, just and it, and the most of the issue is all them just sitting in the mountain trying to figure out how they're going to get out from under this thing that's been dropped on them. And, and Hulk's um, holding it up. And Hulk's holding it up. And Reed just keeps talking. Because the, at that time, Banner was in control of the Hulk's mind. And so Reed Richards starts just giving him crap while he's holding the thing. And he's getting madder and madder. And once they get out, he's like, I know what you were doing. You were making me mad because, you know, the madder I get, the stronger I get. And Well, uh, the thing I loved about it, too, in classic Dr. Doom's fashion, it was all about him manipulating everything so that he could so he get, get all the get power the for himself. power, yes. Yes. And here's a little-known thing. You mentioned Venom. That was the black suit that Spider-Man got. You know, Tony Stark also got armor on battle world and it actually um ended up having to be destroyed because it turned on him not not in the same way the symbiote uh, did it it wasn't quite as a popular storyline as the old symbiote stuff but it sure did and that little and that dude and that thing would show up later on in the pages of the short-lived 90s comic series quasar <laughs> quasar so with and they had up in the corner, like the old Secret Wars tie-in books had the Secret Wars tie-in in the, up in the upper corner. It said, we promise the very last Secret Wars tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> and he had, to, he had to get rid of that armor once and for all. It had totally taken on a life of its own. Quasar did. So, so we're all, now I'm just geeking out over Marvel Comics. So, I mean, this is, the stuff, this is the stuff that I grew up on, man. And this is the stuff that I love. And this is, you know, the, for, for Marvel to have done over the past 10 years what they've done for superhero movies is it is the it is what we dreamed of in the 80s and 90s when you know when you would hear of these different projects that may be in the pipeline i remember stan soapbox in in the different comics, and he was talking about the new Fantastic Four movie coming, True Believers, and the Captain America movie, and Excelsior, Punishers getting his own movie, and then when those things actually came to fruition or didn't come to fruition, in the case of the the never-released Fantastic Four movie, which I just so happen to have a copy of, <laughs> um, you know, you, you end up being a little bit disappointed, and then as you got into the later 90s and, and you started with the X-Men franchise after the Blade thing took off, when the X-Men come on, and, and I remember saying, well, they're all in these black suits because 
you know, their regular costumes wouldn't look right on the big screen. And so rather than try to adapt the costumes in a way that was familiar on screen, but still looked all right on screen, they just went to these black uniforms and that's fine. But you always felt like what you're being told is, is everything that you've always seen on the pages of the comic books, we're just not going to be able to do and trust audiences right. to come on board with. And Marvel, basically, even starting with Iron Man, I mean, that first, the Mark I Iron Man armor that he gets out of the cave with looks like the original oh. Iron Man armor from back in the 60s. Yep. And, and Marvel said, we're going for it. And, and, in this, and in these 10 years, they have gone for it, and they have, by and large, succeeded because even their misses have been at least singles. You know, if you're comparing it to... To, uh, to to baseball, they've at least gotten on base with every single thing they've done. Well, and the let's go theater. back to Iron Man 2. Not only did they go for it with the armor, they went for it in just casting Robert Downey Jr. Yes. as Tony Stark. Yep. You know, he was not the huge bankable mega movie star that he is now. That was a risk for them. Mm -hmm. You know, he was an actor who had very public drug addiction problems and stuff like, you know, did not have it all together. And they were like, he's the guy to play Tony Stark and we're rolling with this. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, nobody expected anything. And, it, and also Iron Man is, you know, he's at the time you can arguably say he was like a B or C level character. He was, in the Marvel. he was B level at best. You know, it, they went with Iron Man because they didn't have rights to the X-Men. They didn't have rights for Spider-Man. They mm -hmm. didn't have rights for Fantastic Four. Right. So, all right, let's make an Iron Man movie and see what happens. And it was freaking awesome. Well, because I, John Favreau and company, along with Kevin Feige, they believed in what they were doing, and they put their best foot forward. This wasn't just a superhero movie to them. It was, we're going to do this and do it right, and we're going to tell a good story, and we're going to make an engaging character out of this, and we're and, and everything. Man, I, I watched that movie back at the beginning of the year, and it holds up 10 years later. Oh, totally. I, all of the movies hold up. Mm -hmm. and, and throughout this process... They have continued to take chances with directors, with writers, with actors, you know, thinking outside the box. You know, who knew who the Russo brothers were right. before Winter Soldier? Yep. You know, who and knew who Taika Waititi was before, <laughs> before uh, Ragnarok? Before Ragnarok, like, yeah. You know? Ryan Coogler coming off of Creed was, you know, a solid choice. Yep. But, you know, again, it's they're just always thinking outside the box. And yep. there's no aside from Ant-Man, which had some, you know, back and forth with the director and it out right, stuff yeah. before they finally settled on. There's been none of that with any of the other mm -mm, movies. Mm -mm. You know, it, there's no disharmony or anything. And even with Infinity War this wasn't just the Russos running with this on their own. You know, James Gunn had, was allowed to give input with the guardian scenes and actually rewrote the scene, um, where Thanos is holding Gamora and Peter finally shoots her. Hmm. Like he rewrote that scene because he didn't feel that what they had written was true to Peter's character. Right. 
And so he wrote, rewrote that with him actually pulling the trigger and then the bubbles coming out. Um, and so, you know, John Favreau has been involved in this as a producer, like the guys who've kind of helped shepherd this whole thing, like are still continued, continually involved in this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a big team effort. Well, and, and from a musical standpoint, bringing back Alan Silvestri to do the score. You know, this is the guy who gave us the Captain America theme. This is the guy who scored the original Avengers. And he did something that they haven't really done for any other movie score that they've had. Um, outside, Mike Mothersbaugh did a little bit for Thor. But he brought back that Avengers theme and peppered it throughout this, the score of the movie in such a way that I now can hum the Avengers theme, you know, uh-uh. and it, and it, and it is distinctive and stands alone. And it's become a theme, uh, for, for my superheroes that I absolutely really like. And, yeah, it, you know, so do I. And, um, and, and two, I, and that's the other thing I want to touch on is when you listen through this score of Avengers Infinity War, there are moments, it's so much like the movie, there are moments where it swells up and you're like, all right, here we go, and then immediately it's like the rug gets swept out from you, and it's a very ominous score for the most part. And he does a very slowed-down version of the theme sometimes. Sometimes that theme runs into like a minor key, and it is uh, it, it matches the movie so well, and having Silvestri come back in to do the score I think was was perfect for for this film it it would you know it'd be like bringing john williams back to do um i don't know if he did the seventh and eighth harry potter you know but to do that it it was it was it's a similar type of situation Um, well he came in for the upcoming solo he wrote a new theme for right right you know so it's a it's a similar kind of situation and uh dude you're i mean you're spot on like they everyone that's been collaborative with with infinity war and and the fact Again, I you said it at Darth underscore Duff, best story group out there right now. And you know, that's that's Darth underscore Duff, everybody on the well, Twitter. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it it's that's not a knock against anybody else, but mm-hmm. this is 10 years yeah. of this panning out and like all leading one into the next and all of that hard work, as we said at the very beginning of the show, all that hard work and effort has paid off in a fantastic movie that is destroying the box office. And, I mean, come on, look at their last two movies. Domestically, I I believe they're at a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Or, or they will be, certainly, after this weekend. Domestically? Between Black Panther and Infinity War, oh, combined. after this weekend, they will have grossed over a billion dollars just in the U.S. Mm. That's insane. And to, to just months apart also. Right. Right. Um, well, just... You know, by the time Avengers is done, by the time yeah. Infinity War is done in the theater, it could potentially be the highest grossing movie. Yeah. Well, domestically, uh, at this point, Black Panther sits at 689, almost 690 million. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hit 700 before. It climbed back up the charts yes. this weekend. Right. It was number five. Golly. It climbed back up because people were doing like a double feature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Infinity War today, or not today, but yesterday at the time of this recording, on a Wednesday, middle of the after, middle of the week, sixteen million yeah. on, on a Wednesday. Right now, domestically, as of I guess twenty four hours ago, three hundred twenty two. They're at a billion dollars domestically. Yeah, they're over a billion dollars. Those two movies domestically. And, and Infinity War hasn't even been out a week. Right. And so it's. And it has no competition this weekend. It's going to do. The worldwide. 125 to 150 probably this weekend. The worldwide gross right now of Infinity War. And again, we don't really talk about money a lot of times on this because that that's not the thing that matters. It's just. No, but in this, this case, it, 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 I think it does because it's it's proving this concept that mm-hmm. the shared universe can pay off like mm-hmm. this. 857 million. It hasn't opened in China yet. Wow. Yeah, this this is going, this is doing huge and, and probably will continue to. I think that's important. You said this is this is the proof of concept, really, for this shared universe type stuff. There have been so many other movie studios and franchises that have tried to buy into the shared universe thing that just have not quite succeeded at it. And... Um, you know, for better or for worse, you can talk about the the Universal's dark universe they wanted to do with the monsters and everything, which is a great. It, it bombed. It, it was done after one movie, which is a great concept. You know, like it is a fantastic concept. Their but, mistake was they should have made Shape of Water the first movie in that. Mm, that should have been their creature from the, Black, the Black Lagoon. Lagoon. Yeah, um, and then and then Hasbro had been talking about this GI Joe mask. You know. Thing. That's still alive. Yeah, that's still not a concept that's not dead. But that's a situation where Paramount better, you know, find them someone that has the right vision to to be able to accomplish this and not try to rush everything too much. Because I, I and look again, I'm at Steve Glosson. Send all hate to Twitter at Steve Glosson. To me, that's one of the mistakes of the DC cinematic stuff the dceu as they call it is they try i feel like they jumped to justice league too soon i said back at when avengers came out i said dc needs to follow this model just blatantly say yeah we're doing exactly what y'all did we're starting with one character and we're moving to the next we're moving and then we're going to bring them all together and and they just felt like they had to jump so quickly i don't i don't know you know what it, it is for me it's 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 not necessarily that they jump so quickly into Justice League. It's, I think that everybody who's been involved in the Marvel movies, they truly understand fundamentally who every single one of these characters mm-hmm. is. It, because these movies are all about the characters. And they're characters that we have, a lot of us have been reading since we were children. Mm-hmm. You know, and are, are part of us. And what we're seeing on the screen for the most part is who the characters that we've been reading for years, you know, Tony Stark on the street on the screen is the Tony Stark. We know from the comics, Steve Rogers on the screen is the Steve Rogers. We know from the comics, but where I think DC got a little off track aside from wonder woman Mm -hmm. is that, the Batman that we saw on the screen, that's not the Batman that I know from the comics. Right. You know, that, that Ben Affleck Batman was consumed with hate and fear. 
and, and this like the, the way he was going after brute Superman and stuff. That's not the Batman that I grew up reading. Mm -hmm. You know, Superman is a character who is going to do everything in his power to not kill someone. Right. You know, and you know, that the Superman that we see on the screen is not the Superman that I remember reading in the comics, you know, and I just feel like the, the few movies that we've had from the, the kind of Zack Snyder uh, DC universe are not truly representative of who these characters are that we've been. And, you know, I'm not talking about Elseworld stuff and there, you know, there's been all these different voices on Batman for ages, but like the core character of who Batman is, of who Superman is, mm -hmm. like I feel like they're not being represented on the screen. I and I agree with that. And and I always said that to me it seemed like they were trying to be smarter than the source material at Warner Brothers. Yeah. And and here with with what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done is they haven't tried to outsmart what was on the page originally, you know, and, and in, if anything, they brought a little bit more lightheartedness and fun to it than I ever, you know, not that it was never fun for me, but, you know, I always associated Spider-Man as being the funny one in the Marvel universe, mm -hmm. in the comics and everything, you know, um, and Iron Man was, and a, he has been on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And but everyone is, you know, like they're all they all have they're not all funny in the same way, but like they they talk the way a lot of us talk as far as like trying to get the smart quip in, you know, trying to be the smart yeah, trying, you know, Squidward and, yes, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so anyhow, um change the subject. I think I think there's just one other difference between yeah. the the Marvel cinematic universe and the DC cinematic universe. Disney trusts Kevin Feige yes. and the producers on the Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. DC Warner Brothers does not trust their producers and the people making their movies in the same way. You know what? I, we certainly saw that with Suicide Squad. I think that may be Irish at the heart of it all. I really do. Um, that. That's an, to me, I think that's an astute comment because you have to trust your producers to start out 10 years ago and continue to do what they've done. Now, he's proven himself. Yes. You know, and, and by the time you get to the first Avengers movie, you know, they proved, they proved themselves and they continue to prove themselves beyond that. You know, like things just continue to get better financially for Disney, mm -hmm. um, you know, with each ensuing film almost. And, and so they they can they develop that trust. I don't know that Warner Brothers has quite given the opportunity. I, I know that having heard that like the most awesome scene in Wonder Woman to me is the no man's land scene. And that is that is when we I see agree. who Wonder Woman is. It it's more than just because it's a cool scene, but you finally get to see her be who she is amongst normal people. Yep. You know, and you get to see her her lead the charge and, and to go fight for freedom and, and that sort of thing the studio didn't want that scene in there. Yep. And to me, that tells you about all you need to know over there. Yeah. So all that, all your DC hate can be sent to at Darth underscore Duff on Twitter. Um, if you're, if you're mad at us for going down that road, I didn't mean to, 
But uh, listen, I feel enough. I don't. I don't need. It, 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 look, I'm good. It wasn't hate for DC. Mm-hmm. It's just the way I see it. Yeah. Well, look, I I I don't know any anything else to say on this because I'm. I mean, all I've got is just gushing. Yeah. So I, if you've got something else, we can go down that path, or or we can. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I think we about we pretty much covered mm-hmm. it all. Uh, I would encourage you if you've got the old Marvel Unlimited app uh, or or some way to see. Avengers 125, um, Thanos is in that mess, and it is, um, it has Mantis. You know that it's it's the continuing saga of something else going on, but uh, but Thanos shows up here, and um, and and it starts a whole thing with them. There's some Silver Surfer comics from back in just before, as I said, before the Infinity Gauntlet, that are really good, and it's got Thanos and that that all that chair, you know, I love the Thor, uh, thing with him and Daryl where he's like, I'm trying to figure out who the purple man is. Sits in a chair. Doesn't like to stand up. <laughs> um, and then, and then the, then the original infinity gauntlet story, you won't, it's look, it's going it's nineties comic book storytelling and, and character designs and everything, but it's nuts. It, it is it, nuts. It's half the time I couldn't figure out what was going on. It's just nuts. But I would, uh, I would encourage you to jump on that and, and check it out. Also, um, Eris showed me this before we got started. Did Thanos kill dot me? www dot did Thanos kill dot me. And I, I thought it was going to be like a list of who actually died in the movie and that sort of thing. But all well, it is, just- is, is a big white screen. And it says it either says you were spared by Thanos or you were slain by Thanos for the good of the universe. Oh wow! Well, I was spared by Thanos. I was spared by Thanos as well. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done if he had taken you, brother. Oh man, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Um. So. Also, it's worth mentioning. Uh, I'm going to be making a rare live appearance. Uh, what? Yeah, at Dragon Con of all places. I thought you hated Dragon Con. I do, I do. But we're doing a uh, a, a special event on September first at uh, where 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 is this thing? I forget. It, it, we're calling it the Stark Expo uh, Live. Stark nice. short for Starkville. Um, it's with the Starkville House of L guys. It's with Brian Austin Green will be there. Uh, the old 10th Wonder podcast guys will be there making an appearance. Um, I'm going to do a Geek Out Loud live. There's going to be a live with Brian Austin Green and a live shoe that takes place. And uh, it's going to be at the Switch House in Atlanta, Georgia. You can get all the information about tickets and that sort of thing uh, by going to starkvillelabs.com slash expo. Starkvillelabs.com slash expo. It's uh, allbenefittinggenerosity.org. A uh, charity that is uh, all about getting clean water in places where they don't have it, digging wells and that sort of thing. So uh, head over to StarkvilleLabs.com slash expo if you want to be a part of that. If you're going to be in Atlanta. Do I need to come down for this? Um, we can talk about it off, off air. So uh, it's Switch Yards Downtown Club in Atlanta. And uh, I hope to see you there if you're able to make it. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud is where you can support the shows directly. Don't forget those Amazon links at Geek Out Online, Geek Out Podcast, and BigHonkinShow.com. They all help us tremendously 
when you use those links. It, it is a it is a huge help for all of us. Um, Erish, as I've said many times tonight, is at Darth underscore Duff on the Twitter. Um, Erish, we're getting close to con season. Are you going to be super active? Or are you going to let all the young ones do this? No, do the cons the this year? Ones. All young right. Ones do it now. I'm too old. I'm, it's a Murtaugh, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's the Roger Murtaugh peak out loud. Too old for this <laughs> shite. So, uh, well, brother, thank you for being on with me, man. I always enjoy talking this stuff with oh, you. You texted me the other day and asked if I wanted to talk Avengers this week. I responded with, yes, yes. He started yes. the Daniel Bryan chant, so that's good stuff. You can email the show. I'd love to hear from you. We haven't heard from anyone email-wise on the Infinity War, so shoot us an email, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at geekoutloud and at Goliverse for the whole uh, Goliverse uh, family of podcasts. Join us over on Facebook in the Facebook group. That's uh, the Guardians of the Goliverse on Facebook. We'd love to have you join in on that with everything that's going on over there. We have a good time. Uh, until next time, for Air Schoenweiss, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. Thanks, everybody.